Hello everyone and welcome to Steel Blade Showtime. I'm your host Brandon. I'm here with my co-host Derek. Derek, how are we doing this week? Doing pretty good, pretty good. We are all better. I have no more illness. I mean, obviously it's been a week. Uh, but unfortunately, still just took it easy this week. Uh, skipped out on the armories. Uh, but how about you? How you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing pretty good after the marathon that I pulled off yesterday. Got a husky 11 hours straight of sleep, which is not normal for me. Normally I wake up like once or twice <laughs> through it, but 11 out, I got home. I was like dozing in and out for a while, and then I finally just conked. Um, but my week was, you know, pretty fun. I went to Al. Uh, they ran a learn to play alongside the armory this past week. Um, we played Blitz this past week, and you heard out of my mouth multiple times. I understand why Leviah sucks in Blitz. Because <laughs> uh, round one, first two hands, I played against a Bravo. I, he dominated his first attack, so all I could do is rotate one card out. But they all said, banish three from Grave. Well, when you dominate something, I can only banish one from Grave, which isn't going to work. Uh, drew into another card that said Banish 3, so my turn was Arsenal Pass. Drew into another card that said Banish 3. Um, I forget what he did. I don't think... He didn't do enough that made it where I had to put... I think he dominated another attack. And at that point, I said, Alright, I'm done. Throw in the Hex Lord. Let's go. Uh, I took 6 damage. It was a good time. Um, round 2, I went against Benji and hated my life. Um, round three and four, I went against Reinar and a, another Leviah, and I won those. So, I guess yeah. Benji would be kind of a, a natural enemy to a, to a deck that might need to banish three cards from Grave. Yeah, I would, my literally... What are you gonna block? <laughs> They're all yeah. low power. Use your armor and pray. My literal whole thing was going into that was just pray to high roll and deal enough damage that he has to block where I'm not facing much coming back at me. Right, right. Um, but one of the people in the Learn to Play, um, one of our more experienced players, Seth was there, helping out with that. And um, he was asking to people about who they liked, and the one guy said Leviah, and Seth directed him to me. He's like, well, you know, Brandon could help you out on that. And you heard, don't do it, come out of my mouth. <laughs> because as a Leviah player, I know if you start on Leviah, you're going to hate her and you're going to hate the game. So, um, you know, after Armory had ended, he was still there playing with his friend. And I went over and I was like, you know, I'm not saying don't do Leviah in general. Um, I was like, just don't do her right now. She is a very high skill capped champion or hero, I mean. Um, uh, when we talked to Gary, he said how she's one of the higher ones on that list. Right. I was like, start the game on someone easier, um, then come back to her eventually. Once you learn the game, he said, you know, yeah, I don't want to start on a hard hero. And I was like, yeah, she'll, I was like, she'll be around. Don't worry. She sure will be. Not in living legend anytime soon. Not, in, not unless something absolutely nuts comes out for her. And then we went to the pro. Me and you both went to the pro quest on Saturday. Yes, we carpooled this week. Um, for 
I went one and four uh, through round three. I had taken like at least 50 blood debt. It was a good time. Uh, round, round one, I think I was at 28. Uh, I played against another Leviah. Uh, that Leviah build felt more like I was playing against a Reinar, just playing Leviah for the Husk kind of thing. There was not as much blood debt as me. Um, round two, I played against Lexi. Frostbite suck. Uh, round yeah. three, I played against Old Him, and I was winning that match the whole time uh, until I had 11 health and 12 blood debt and looked at my hand with two cards engraved and it said banish three. So I was like, all right, roll scab skins, roll to five, crack the gambler's gloves to get a third card engraved, rolled and rolled to one. So I lost. Yeah. God, that is rough. Round four, I played a briar, and it was just a slaughter fest of us going as hard as possible to each other. It was really fun. I didn't take any blood debt, but obviously, you know, they came at me with, I think, like 15 on a Channel Mount Heroic turn, and I clapped back with an 11 swing big. It was a good time. Yeah, which is which is close to parody, you know? <laughs> I, I looked at him, I said, I'm going crazy, and he goes, yeah? He's like, I like that. I said, yeah, I'm not taking any AB when I flipped over my armor. <laughs> so, Honestly, you're racing there's no point no i'm not pitching into ab i'm gonna roll scab skins and pray i can just out damage you um and it, i mean it is possible if i high roll but i mean it wasn't like it was a like you know a hard game i think he was at like four or five and uh i it just you know arcane was was, was able to eventually finish me off yeah but yep. what can you do when you're racing and then round five i played a bravo Obviously, being a Bravo main, I knew that match very well, uh, and I was just able to constantly rip two to three cards out of his hand and not let him put much pressure on me. He hit me with a Spinal Crush, and I said, okay, you know, my stuff has go again, but I got scab skins here that I can just get multiple action points, and I don't need to go again. Right. It's a it's a fun little cheat <laughs> around not getting go again. Yep. And so I won that one. Um, being able to just hold him off, I literally saved the husk until I was at like twenty hell, uh, twenty life, and then dropped it. Um, and at the end, it was, it was getting scary because I had blasphemed out, so I could play it safe and just keep six banishing from my grave. But then I was like, you know what? We're gonna go risky. I played a wild ride, which was six, got the go again, and then I was like, all right. Writhing Hulk, Beast Hulk for another six and banish three to try and turn off my blood debt as well as give it Dominate to win. I got the six, so if he was able to, you know, had something that wouldn't get the Dominate, the Dominate wouldn't matter, I'd still live, but it didn't matter. I was able to pull it out. Right. But after that, I've said to you and a couple people probably multiple times, I think it's time to shelf Leviah for a little bit. Um, I, um, I think the the debt collectors are coming in for just a little bit too much. I, I think you've paid your debt. Yeah, uh, not, it's not a. I'm done with her. It's I think I you know I have a lot of fun on her, but you know Bravo's calling me. He was my original. You know I you know that's my guy, and yeah. I kind of miss playing him. So I think it's you know I don't care. Yesterday I was tired, so I kind of did get a little grouchy when I lost a blood debt. But um, 
you know, I think Rob is calling my name again. I still have all my stuff. I still have my deck minus a few pieces that I didn't have originally. So hopefully I get them and maybe I'll get some more games in on him again. Yeah. I am excited to get that practice against it because it is it is one of the matches I need to know a little bit better on Arachne. Because uh, that's who I took into, uh, into the ProQuest. Uh, I ended up at two wins, two losses, one draw. Uh, the draw was frustratingly round one into Briar, of all people. Uh, I fully expected, like, we were having the pregame chat, like, you know, he was telling me, yeah, I've never really played against Arachne, I'm not 100% sure what to expect. You know, went over the pregame procedure of how you want me to, to, to handle your top deck looking. Uh, off of those contract triggers. Uh, when, yeah, you know what? You're going to run me over in like five rounds anyway. It'll be fine. We won't go to time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I managed to weather the first Channel Mount Heroic, uh, forced him to block with the second, because uh, I, I don't remember what it was that was in his arsenal. Uh, but I I threw a uh, a Command and Conquer with the Goliath Gauntlet buff on it. So, 8 power Command and Conquer. <clears throat> had to uh, had to make some choices. And it chose to give me one of the Mount Heroics. Pretty happy with that. And then the last one, uh, I was able to banish off the top thanks to a cut to the chase. Um... So I only actually had to deal with one Mount Heroic, which took so much gas out of his tank. Uh, if we had had one more round, I probably could have taken the win. Um, but that's actually, only because uh, because he misplayed. Yeah, he actually gonna, had the win in his arsenal. I was standing behind him. He had that. He had a lightning. I don't remember. I lightning was it? surge. Was the uh, was the one he had, and it was you know it had to go again. So if he would have played that and then his next attack, it would have been a lot worse off for you. Then right. he just forgot he had it. Yep, because we had the it, it was that nerve wracking moment that you know I know it's gonna happen. You're the last round, like you're the last match in the round. Everybody's waiting to see what happens uh, once it reported, and you know it was neck and neck. We were both at like. I want to say, like, we were both below five. I, I don't remember the exact numbers. Uh, but the judge tells you we're at time. I had turn zero. He had turn one. Everybody's standing around you. Pressure's on. I, I think the, the right move is going back to, to Caleb. Slow down. Yeah. Time doesn't matter anymore. Make sure you do it right to try to, to, to pull the win out. Because it is, it's so easy to get caught up in that moment and feel that pressure. I've, I've been in that exact same moment. I've, I've talked about it here before, uh, about I had the win. I misplayed because I, I felt the pressure of everybody around me, and I looked at my cards a little wrong, didn't take it out. Uh, but he could have had me. Uh, but had that misplay happened still, 
and I had another turn, I would have had him. But, it's funny, because I forgot to mention that Briar was actually the one that I lost to later. Oh, is it the same one? Yeah, yeah it was. He, was. he was really fun. He was yeah. a good guy. Like, we had a lot of fun in our game. So, and it was, you know, a lot of people, when they sat, when I sit down, they see Levi, they, you know, they don't know. They're just like, what the heck? Because not many people play Levi, but surprisingly, we actually had three there yesterday playing her. Right. Three out of what? I think the final count was 31 players. Yep, 31. Um, but then round two, uh, I played against, uh, that was Olden. Um, and it was a bit of a, a, a budget brew, you know? Just swapped over to Olden. Uh, and most importantly, didn't have the channel like Frigid's, which, you know, he mentioned at the end. I, was like, I didn't see any of those. What's going on? I just couldn't afford him yet. No big deal. Mm -hmm. um, that one, you know, he made a, a couple of mistakes because the this is how I won both of my matches was people didn't respect the spider spite. Because, you know, you, you go in thinking, it's one damage, no big deal. Uh, and then when you throw in some other attack that's going to, you know, do do some nasty effect like ripping a card out of your hand, or a card out of your arsenal, and then you go to block, and your stuff blocks less. Well, how many cards do you want to hand me? How important is it to keep that? Um, and I I felt a little bad doing it, but you know you you shouldn't really feel bad in these situations. Of if someone declares something uh, at at a higher competitive event, it is okay to not let take backsies. Uh, I, I had to do that a couple of times. You know, some some players wanted to take back something because they they misread a card. But it's it's the pro quest. You know, I I wanted to get up there as much as they did, so I had to say no. Uh, so I, I went against that Olden. Then my next was a Bravo, a newer player. I think she said she had only been playing for a couple of months. Um, and pretty much the same thing. Uh, the, the worst, and the one I, I felt the worst about, was I hit with both of the Spider's Bites. Uh, and then I threw an attack. And she went to block with a Rouse the Ancients, which blocks for two. But it's an attack. So it blocked for zero. Oof. And she still took the, the full damage, and I had to say, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I can't let you take it back. It, it's it's got to be... Like, for me, it's got to be weird, because, like, you know, any other time during, like, an armory... Or like a lower level event, you know, we're always, you know, yeah, go ahead and take it back. And then we get to these higher events and, you know, I always, I understand, you know, you, you gotta, you know, you can't take it back. But I always feel bad going, uh, you gotta take that back. Like yesterday when I was playing against the Bravo twice, I hit with a Command and Conquer and he forgot that it would destroy his arsenal. So it would get back to my turn and I'd be like, uh, I think you don't have an arsenal. And he's like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm like, right. you know, we were both 0-4 at that point, and I'd, it's like, 
I felt so bad just being like, yeah, your Arsenal's not there anymore. But yeah. at the same time, it's, you know, that's what Command and Conquer says, so. Right. You you can't just let them take that. That's so, that's not a, an honest game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, so I just tried to say it as nicely as possible. It's like the one time I was like just sitting there, I was thinking through my thing, and I was like, wait a second. And he goes, what? And I was like, I don't think you have an Arsenal. He's like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, I, and I kind of felt bad because it, I was just like, it was honestly like towards the end, it was just a slaughter fest for on my end. Right. And it, I forgot we played the same old him as well. He must have had all his first yeah, couple rounds. Of, we had a lot of same matches. Because uh, later we, we played against the same Lexi too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> So three of our five opponents were the same. Yeah, which is kind of wild. Um, <clears throat> so then my my fourth match, as soon as I saw the pairing, I I already knew I lost that one. Oh, that's right. Because uh, I went up against uh, Rose, who has already won uh, a pro quest. Um, and to her amazing credit, brought out her gold foil uh achilles like put it put it on the board i don't think i've ever seen anybody else like actually field gold foil equipment but but she was all in on the swag it was a delightful match um i part of the reason i knew i was going to lose because one she's an amazing player absolutely incredible um but two we had talked strategy about the match for for both our angles and we kind of agreed like yeah as long as the dash player knows to switch from a boost to a uh to a a pistol fatigue plan dash wins the the only possible way is if i can sneak through and banish most of your pistol fatigue pieces mm-hmm. uh and i did not <laughs> Yeah, because it's a short answer. Is if they're doing on boost, they're literally doing half the work for you at that point. That's exactly right. You know, if if they're boosting, all I have to do is block, and I win. Um, so I in can... that match, do you take out like your immovables for the, in that match? I should have. Okay. Uh, I realized that as soon as we shuffled up, I was like, "Wait a second. Rose knows not to be playing those giant attacks. I don't need to have my immovables in. And it it forced a couple of turns that, that caused me to take some extra damage I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was still happy at the at the end of the match. It was closer than I expected. I had her down to seven. Um, so, you know, I, I'm considering it a, a personal growth win. Uh, obviously a technical loss, <laughs> but <laughs> it was a super fun match. We chatted afterwards, um, and we both kind of agreed that you know, unless the, the heart of the cards were on my side, I didn't win. Uh, I did finally get to do my my weird tech piece, because uh, I, I teched specifically against her. Uh, I brought in... Uh, the Imperial Warhorn. You actually used it? I used it. Oh. Uh, and for those that don't know, because it's not played that often, uh, it is a two-cost 
in red action, drops an item that says, on another turn, because this, this card does not have go again, <laughs> uh, on another turn, you can pay one resource and break it, and then you and your opponent, or all players, because it's, uh, it's worded for UPF friendliness, get to choose to destroy either one item or a, or a landmark. Uh, I believe we're ally they control? Maybe not landmark. Yeah, it's just ally. Um, and if you're royal, you get to choose for everybody. Um, I'm not royal in this deck. I don't think it would make sense for me. Uh, but I got to take out one of the... Uh, I think it was one of the incubators that they chose. Because at that point, uh, <laughs> Rose already had three of them out. Uh, so going to two and two of the incubators and the plasma purifiers was perfectly fine for her. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the most frustrating moment of that was like round four, maybe? Um, she looked at my board uh, after throwing out all of her, her pistol stuff and then just said, oh, okay, I'll uh, T-bone for three and boosted it. And I looked down at my board and I went, Oh crap. The only equipment I have left is Findle Sprig Tunic. Oh no. So like round four they stole my Sprig Tunic. No. <laughs> oh no. That was one of the things that swung that match so far in her favor. Like it was already just just by the nature of the decks in her favor to begin with. But there were a couple of other hands that I could have played a little bit stronger had I had the resource up. Mm -hmm. uh, like, it, literally the, the turn before, uh, the reason I had no boots left is because I was getting cheeky. Uh, and I, I threw one of the Majestic. I, I forget if it was Surgical or Leave No Witnesses or, or uh, Eradicate, but I threw one of those. And then I, I cracked my Snapdragons so that I could put down the Warhorn. And I was like, next turn's oh. going to be great. I can fully block out and spend the Findle's resource that's already up to use the Warhorn. It'll oh. be great. And then they broke Findle's. That also just shows like how good of a player she is to see the board state that you're in and go, I can use this T-bone and force that tunic away. Right, because they, they absolutely could have pitched it uh, and like refilled some of their, their steam counters, uh, but they, they made the correct decision. Uh, that is a huge, blasted my huge decision. That, like, sitting here thinking about it now, I'm like, that is so great, but I'm like, that had to feel so terrible. Oh my god, I was, I was so torn emotionally, <laughs> because I was so happy that they saw and they took that opportunity. <laughs> And I was so mad. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. But like I said, it was a it was a great match. It was a ton of fun. Um all of all of the matches uh yesterday were a, a blast for me. Uh and then I, I closed it out on uh against that Lexi that we both played against. Um 
I had only played against Lexi a little bit before, uh, so I knew a little bit of what to expect, um, and I got the the answer in advance uh, because this player chose to when they were setting up their their mat, uh, they had all their equipment face down, but they had the frostbite token face up. Yeah. So I I knew going in, cool. I can board for ice. Um, and I did. Uh, and it was a really close match. Uh, they maybe had two turns left of cards by the end, because Lexi oh. naturally plays a bunch of cards and activates a bunch of abil abilities drawn through, you know, uh, three of a kind, uh, playing a bunch of non-attack actions to buff, and then, you know, I'm also banishing these cards off the top of their deck. Uh, but in the end, they just, like, I... I didn't fully read the cards, which was part of my downfall. I didn't take the board into consideration. Uh, there were a couple of moments that I misread some cards that had... Uh, Whenever an attack hits this turn, you get a frostbite since it's fused. And I oh, yeah. misread that. I, I blocked out that one. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to get a frostbite. Then I got hit by the next one. I'm like, all right, and you get a frostbite. Oh, yeah, was it was <laughs> uh, I know which one you're talking about, too. I, so I would say run it's it and hold ice him. Nah, uh, ice Quake is one of them. Yeah, he there's used a it against of me. like that. Um, and so that was uh, that was part of what sealed the deal because I had to take a couple of turns off more than I would have liked uh, and then one time they they played what is it, Polar Blast that play it from Arsenal as a one cost uh, you draw a card and then your opponent can choose to pay one, two, or three based on whichever the if, if they're playing the blue, the yellow, or the red, mm -hmm. respectively. And if they don't, then the attack gets dominate. And there was one turn where I looked at my hand, and I went, okay, I don't necessarily need to pay, because I don't... I want to be able to block some, but I'm only, I'm only planning on blocking with one card. Because I have the setup for a a pummeled uh, three cost seven power attack it'll be great so I'm like alright I don't pay for the dominate you can have it and then they proceeded to follow with uh, alright next attack gets plus two next attack gets plus three. Oh uh, no both of those had <laughs> you know whenever this hits uh, you get it, the opponent gets frostbite and so they swung 12 dominate at my 12 life <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> okay, all right. I see how it is. Uh, oh. So that was uh, that was part of what did it in for me. Re respect that dominate trigger. <laughs> I didn't. I was just like, yeah, you can have dominate. Uh, but the the final nail in the coffin was they presented an attack. Uh, I think it was. They swung in for five, 
on, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, and I had four life. I said, all right, I'll block three. I'll have a turn. I can kill you next round. It'll be great. Um, lightning press? Then, what's that? Is it, did they lightning press you? They did not. No. I, I checked the, the grave and the banish. I had already eaten all of them. And okay. one of the, the great things about Arachne is I get pretty familiar with my opponent's deck as the game goes on. Because uh, I get to look at them, bottom cards... So I knew this player was only running three red lightning press, and they were all dealt with. So I knew I didn't have that to worry about. I knew I hadn't seen any other, like, I don't think they were running, I think it's called Rain Razors that gives arrows plus two. Like, I, I knew I was safe from instant speed stuff. Um, oh, I remember you told me about this. <laughs> yeah. Because I, did. I didn't respect it either. Yeah. Uh, so I blocked all but two damage. You know, just gave him one card, said, cool, I can kill you next round. It'll be great. Uh, and then there's the little bit of a smirk when they realized, like, yep, they didn't see it. And then they went, all right, cool, so it hits, and then I'm going to go ahead and, and pitch the rest of his hand into Shock Charmers. Had just enough resources to deal two more damage, which was all I had left after I took that hit. And that was the win. So now I know. Respect the Shock Charmers. They are way better than I registered. Because like, I was thinking about it in terms of... You know, you can, you can pay into it to give more of a punishing effect. Right? You know, you, you pay in... Uh, and all of those cards that say whenever this deals damage... This effect happens great, you can repeat that. Uh, I never considered it as a closer, which was, uh, you know, my downfall. Yep. But it's... that was a really good thing for me to learn. Because now, Respect. whenever I see it, you better believe I am Respect going to it. pay attention. Oh. <laughs> So we left out, you know, we heard the top eight and, you know, we chatted a little bit with our next week's guest, Chad, and then we headed out because I was tired, you know, your pet sitting. Yep. And because I worked till, you know, I worked my normal like 11 to 7.15 shift, got out, got home, showered, literally got back in the car, ran in, picked you up and then ran up there. No sleep at all. This man was awake for like 24 hours. <laughs> Almost 23 before yeah. I finally zonked. Um, but uh, they st uh, talked to the judge, our friend Sam, um, and he said Riley and Ciro were top two and they ended up s splitting. Uh, Ciro took the invite, Riley took the gold foil. And Sam, I was talking to Sam this morning, let me bring it up. And I said, asked him, did Riley open it? And he goes, yeah, they streamed it after he's like, after I convinced him, there's no bad ones in this group. And Riley got a coat of frost. And I was just like, oof. Oh, my God. That's terrible. That, so I guess there is some bad ones in this group. Yes. But, that is so painful. <laughs> Like if he would have got a crater fist, that would have been cool. But coat of frost, oh, yeah. Um, uh, someone actually got the um. Oh, 
it's the equipment from the classic battles for Rhinar. Someone got a gold foil of that I saw in the marketplace. Really? That, uh, yeah. The, the helm? Is it Bone Visor, I think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this, that's its, right now, it's only foil, like, hold foil version printing of it is a gold foil. So it has that and the deck printing, which are its only two printings right now. Which is crazy. Yeah. Huh. I, I didn't realize that would be in the pool. That's that's really cool. I didn't either. Yeah. Um. So I wonder if there's a um. Oh, what's the blossom of spring? I wonder if there's a gold foil blossom of spring in there. Maybe. There probably is. That's it's yeah. kind of cool. Because if they if they did that, you know, they they probably did put the the gold foil on there. But so. Neither of us got an invite to the ProQuest, and I think it ends next week, right? This season? Yes. Uh, I believe With... next week is the last. And the old, uh, there's... The next closest to us is about 60 miles away. <laughs> so we're, we're taking a pass. I'm spending time for my wife for her birthday. You said that's a little far, which is understandable. Yup. So... I'm we didn't not that get... desperate to go into a a local meta that I'm unaware of, uh, and hope <laughs> that I can uh, pull out a a victory. That ain't gonna happen. Yeah. And you know, we, so we and we also we know we both got the coin yesterday. So yesterday was my second coin, and uh, fellow local, uh, our friend Junior, he was there, but he didn't make you know the cut of paying. And I was like, hey, and I just gave him my extra coin because I was like, you know, I already have one. Here you go. Yeah, because there's, there's, I was thinking about it, not really any situations that would naturally occur that would cause you to float more than two resources. Yeah, it's, you you can force it to happen with cards like, like Findles and, uh, Skullcrack. Uh, skull crack. Yep, that'll that'll do it too. Uh, technically, I guess a a um, mech, potion. I think mech can do it too, can't they? With the foundry yes. heart, uh, mech can do it with foundry heart, uh, or if they have multiple techlo cores and hyperdrivers up, yeah, they can end up floating a bunch. But it's rare instances. Yeah, this is. That this being my first pro quest season, you know, other than dying a lot to ones in blood debt, <laughs> I had fun. Um, like I said, I'm I'm picking Bravo back up for a little bit. Gonna start swinging my mallet again. Um, see how that goes. Uh, today we have fun topics. Topics we were gonna talk about last week. Uh, we got UPF, and if we have enough time, we'll talk a little about about this have a heart tournament idea that I had. Are you excited for this week, Derek? I am so excited. We actually both did prep this week. Because uh, nine times out of ten, it's Brandon doing the legwork. And I'm just coming in and just spouting nonsense. <laughs> but this week, we've both prepared things. Yeah, I gave Derek some homework. <laughs> and um, I completed it like a good student. <laughs> do you want to start on these, or do you want to talk a little bit about UPF first? Uh, let's let's talk about it as a as a whole first, and then we'll yeah. we'll get to to what we did. <clears throat> so we got UPF, a game mode that you sit down with multiple people, and it is just this big 
brawl to the finish. Um, you can only attack the player to your left and right. Um, it's not, you know, there's not really many, like, events themed that go on with it. Um, I know at the Pro Tour they're going to have some, but other than that, you don't see much on it other than unless a community picks it up, which we tried to do. We did our free play Fridays, obviously bad timing, but they do turn out to be fun because UPF being its own thing, you get stuff that's a lot different than Blitz that, uh, cause you use young heroes in it. Um, you get a lot of different things in there cause you know, you have your York deck, you have Shiana, you had your emperor deck that you created that one time. I have my genus deck for it. Um, yeah, I forgot you also have a Valda deck for it. So, yep. you know, UPF really lets people get really creative with this. I, I think that's one of my favorite parts about it is because the field is so much wider, um, there are a lot of heroes that can pull off some really bizarre builds yeah. uh, that, that wouldn't work in a 1v1 because you might not necessarily have the time to set it up. Also, but... looking at the outline here, I see, I wrote, why is, and I forgot the P, so it says, why is oof? enjoyable <laughs> why is oof enjoyable <laughs> um so yeah like genus the thing that i don't like is like he doesn't have any specializations he doesn't have any cards to support him you know i'd like at least right. a couple you know that let me do a little more with silver you know we got cash in and i got knickknack bric-a-brac which i actually ended up taking out um, I because I was originally playing like Crazy Blue and Life of the Party and all that, but I took it out for other stuff. But you know, I run a, a Rainbow Promise of Plenty. I run Coax like of Commotion. All, all of my UPF decks have Rainbow Promise of Plenty. <laughs> it's such a fun card. Well, yeah, and, remember I would we... basically never play it in any other deck. Mm -hmm. uh, the The only Blitz deck I would play it in so far is Benji. Uh, Oh, yeah. Because they that's, can't block it. that's free speed if it's in your arsenal. Yeah. And then, um, I'm trying to think what else. So, like, we were playing at the uh, SCG Con in Philly with uh, Bill. And I remember, I think it was like, I promised a plenty into another promise of plenty into an erase face. I think I somehow gave it go again and threw another race face at someone else. And it was, it was just insane at turns. Yeah. So UPF gives you stuff that you don't normally see. And it is, you know, it's something where you can go, I let you take a wacky build and go, let's go and throw it down see how it does. Right. Against... So, so many people talk about UPF as the uh, format that doesn't exist. Because like you said, there's not really events for it. And nobody really sits down to play it because you you kind of have to make a deck specifically for it. Uh, you can just bring in a blitz deck; it's, that's perfectly doable. Uh, but the best UPF decks are the ones that are going to take advantage of it because mm -hmm. uh, one of the unique things about uh, UPF, uh, Ultimate Pit Fighter, if we didn't say is what that stands for, uh, is that there is an incredibly small ban list. And technically, yeah. I believe the ban list is just Yorick. Oh, here, I'll look it up real quick. Because uh, Yorick, Weaver of Tales, is uh, 
the hero that's got a little bit of contentions was only released as a promo at the New Jersey Pro Tour. Um, and his only hero ability as a, as a bard, 20 life, 4 intelligence, is at the beginning of the game, uh, all players shuffle their decks together. You share a graveyard. <laughs> uh, and it is the most bizarre thing to have this rainbow tower. Uh, and they kind of realized they needed to make an official ruling and not just have, like, tournament organizers announce this. Uh, it doesn't really work. Like, Yorick doesn't work unless you're friends with everybody there. Because if if two people happen to bring the same sleeves, uh, you can't tell the cards apart. Especially if they're playing the same class, even, or run generics. Uh... So you end up with the situation where if you're going to a, an official event and say, you know, somebody puts their Heart of Findle in the deck. Yeah. Uh, you don't want people, like, carelessly shuffling this uh, pile of cards that's going to start out uh, at 120. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> As someone who plays Commander, it's already hard to shuffle 99 cards. I cannot imagine tossing in another 30. <laughs> yeah, so it's... they came out and made that official announcement. He's technically banned. He's just for at-home play. That's, that is completely understandable, too, because you never know. You know, if two people have the same sleeves also, then it just becomes even worse. Right. But Go Bananas... Yeah, so everything... Other than York is banned, <laughs> so, right. but go go bananas is legal. Which the three hundred dollar yeah. promo, but <laughs> I'm like that might be my next big purchase because that card I bet would be so much fun. Just bring a case of a random set, call a card, and just start cracking pets till you find it. Right, and, and here's here's one of the things that like what makes UPF fun and why that card's not banned is. Uh, there are all sorts of people out there that, like, someone was talking about doing this for Jersey um, in, in one of the UPF chats I was in, is they were planning on bringing a case of Monarch and naming some Majestic, mm -hmm. uh, and then handing every player at the table a box <laughs> and say, we're opening the pack one at a time until somebody opens it, uh, then we stop, I play the card, and y'all can keep the rest. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like there's there's all sorts of fun stuff you can do with it. Um, now, if you're not doing something like that and you declare like a fabled, that sucks, buddy. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna like you're gonna you're be gonna... halting this game to uh, go out and fetch this one in forty boxes rarity <laughs> card. <laughs> Let's take an hour break while Timmy over here cracks packs. <laughs> I would see. I would name something common, so I'd hit it quick. Yeah, I feel like a common or a rare is totally fine. Uh, a majestic is is okay if you're having everybody else like chip mm -hmm. in and open packs too. Um, but uh, I should say a majestic after uh, like Crucible and onwards, where they got rid of super rares. But yeah, yeah. Um, you just but. call Crippling Crush and bring a case of Welcome to Wraith. Yeah, and, just, and then just pass them all out and, and have a good time. 
you know, whether, whether you have somebody, like, whether you have them keep it or not, it's it's a blast to do Go Bananas. Yeah. Uh, well, I really sidetracked myself there, huh? <laughs> uh, hey, we're talking about UPF, so it's not sidetracking. <laughs> well, the, the thing I was getting towards is one of the things that is brushed over by people who are first trying UPF uh, before they really look into stuff. Uh, one of the first cards, if not the very first card, to get banned in uh, all other formats of Flesh and Blood is called Drone of Brutality. It was in the original couple printings of Welcome to Wrath, and because they realized it kind of went against the... Um, like the the nature and design philosophy of the game, uh, they decided to remove it. Uh, so it's not even printed in current Welcome to Wrath packs. Uh, because this card is, I believe, for two cost, it swings for four, five, or six power. Uh, no go again. But it blocks for two. And it has... Uh, this is the part that is what is... Uh, broken about it. If this ends up in your graveyard for any reason, it gets put on the bottom of your deck. So it became a no-brainer in uh, some pretty popular builds early in Flesh and Blood. Uh, it was run in every brute deck because it's a free discard without having to actually like burn through your deck. Uh, it got put into uh, some really goofy early game builds called Ninja Turtle that was just uh, Ira did it the most efficiently but it was just you run all the you run all the Drone of Brutalities and whenever you have Drone of Brutality you block with it uh, and you just kind of fatigue your opponent with Kadachis and Drone of Brutality uh, kind of insane but that is legal to play in Ultimate Pit Fighter. So it's kind of become a staple in the in the format that almost every deck runs to red to blue. So you will always have a four card hand at the end of the game. Because some, some games, especially if you're playing against somebody who's trying to fatigue you, uh, ends in a scenario where you're out of cards. But Drone of Brutality, you can always keep playing. <laughs> I don't even have it in my deck, but now I might have to go out and get it and put it in. Yeah, it's it's really fun. Uh, I run it in uh, uh, I run it in my Shiana deck for exactly that reason. I only run two in there because I think there's other fun, goofy stuff I can do. Uh, one red, one blue. But it is it's delightful. It's just sitting as a couple of extra cards. So that way, if I want to play Shiana and Blitz, I just put those cards away, and I I can't remember what my what they replace when I pull her into UPF. Uh, but you can do all sorts of goofy stuff that's that's legally not possible in any other format. Yeah. Mm. So, like, what heroes do you think should get more play in UPF than, like, if you're looking at, if we're looking at the hero spread that we can play, like if we want to take out some of the normal blitz heroes, like we'll say Briar, Old Him, Bravo, like the normal ones, what funky heroes do you think should see more play in UPF than these normal ones? 
I, I feel like this is kind of a tough, a tough spot, right? Because there are some heroes that are like, you know, they either don't exist in, in CC, like, uh, like Kyle and Benji, uh, but those heroes aren't exactly fun for mm-hmm. the for the UPF. Now, now they can be, uh, but they have a tendency to just high roll. Uh, through everything in a way that can't really be stopped. Whether it's Benji making the attacks they throw that are two and one power uh, unblockable, uh, or if it is Kayo uh, rolling a, a tear limb from limb into a swing big, uh, so they're coming in for 16, and then they roll their dice as the Kayo attack uh, and double it. Uh, so they're coming in for 32, which nobody can survive in. No. Uh, so you can do things like that, which I, I don't, I would love to see more Kayos in general, but that is a horrifically unfun way to like, you know, you're sitting down to play this like fun community version of Flesh and Blood that you can hang out and pal around. And then your opponent turns and says, all right, we're on turn zero. I dropped 32 at you. You lose. (laughs) There's not really a way around it unless you happen to have, like, you know, if you have two two red unmovables and two blues in hand, you can technically survive. But you'll have two two life left. Uh, If you have, as long as you have four three blocks and a couple of armor that block, you'll be fine. Right, right. You'll be, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be on death's quote, door. Fine. You'll be on death's door, but you'll be fine. I don't know. I feel like we should see more stuff like Genus and um, Cabdane. You know, Valda, I feel, is not too bad. Uh, I'm like, Valda sees a... a ton of play in UPF. Um, almost every table I've sat down to play UPF uh, has had a Valda or someone who at least has a Valda deck. Right. Shiana, I think, is a main one as well. Yeah, Shiana should absolutely play, uh, see more play. You know, I, I think it's a little bit of a, a rough area, right? Because not everybody can afford Shiana. Because, mm-hmm. unfortunately, she was only printed at Legendary in Crucible of War, which is now out of print. Now, she is a little bit more accessible, at least compared to when I bought her. Because now, see him. last I looked, she was at 40 or 50 bucks. I was like, last out when I was looking, she was 48. Yeah. But compared to other heroes who you can turn around uh, and say, like, hey, Brandon, do you happen to have a spare Bravo token? Probably your more veteran players will. Mm-hmm. And probably most stores that have a bulk bin because they run events have those spare tokens that they can yeah. just say, yeah, sure. Here you go. It's free. Uh, asking for a 40-50 buck price tag is rough. Yeah, she is 52-50 right now. Okay. So that's, you know, it's a, it's a rough area. She is an absolute blast to play. Uh, she can do some insane things in Ultimate Pit Fighter. Like, she was definitely designed for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she can see play in Blitz, uh, and she's kind of fun in Blitz. And like you said, she only gets better with each set that comes out, too. 
right. Every time they print a specialization, because for, for those that don't know, Shiana's got two abilities on her. At base, she's a 20 life, 4 intelligence, shapeshifter hero. Uh, and her first ability states that you can, while deck building, include any specialization cards. Other than that, she can only run generics. Uh, and her second power is at the start of your turn, or I think it's technically at the beginning of your action phase. I can't remember exactly which, because I know there's a technical very small window um, where you are just yourself. Which at the beginning, yep. It's for... so at the beginning of that? your action phase. Yes. Um, so, you get to select another hero, and you copy all the text on that card. Uh, so if you copy, you know, Benji, your two and one power attacks, uh, they can't be blocked from hand. Uh, if you have... Uh, the, the downside there is your life shifts down to match whatever that, uh, that hero's starting life is. So Shiana players need to track damage taken as opposed to life. It's a little bit of a wonky area, uh, but that matters because if they were to copy someone like Valda, who is your primary target, in if you are Shiana and there is a Valda, unless you have a really goofy turn you can set up that that needs somebody else, you pick Shiana or you pick you pick Valda, <laughs> um, because you get all the text, but the the secondary benefit that kind of makes you better. And the hero you choose is all of the cards in your deck also gain that class. So if you pick Valda, all of your cards are guardian cards now. Which means all of the seismic surge tokens that Valda started generating for herself, you have the same trigger, so you get all those. And then any attack in your deck is a guardian card. So that means they all get the they all get the seismic surge discount. So yeah, sometimes you'll you'll want to set it up so you can do a crippling crush for free. Uh, but also not a huge deal if you can toss out, you know, a wounded bull. Yeah. Just a just a free little like block with everything except for that, because you know you got your seismics. You just select Valda again. Uh, they crack. Wounded Bull is free now. You don't need to pitch for it. Phenomenal. Yeah, that is, she's, she's one I want to pick up eventually and make a deck for, because it just seems so fun. <clears throat> um, I think some of the other things, uh, the, the big one I wanted to call out as the, as the hero that I think should see a little bit more play in UPF is actually Prism. Uh, specifically for Arclight Sentinel. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is it is her specialization, which means Valda can include it, too, and I think they should in UPF builds, uh, that, as an instant, for four resources, you put down this, this Spectra aura uh, that's basically a taunt. Any attacks that are declared that, that Arclight Sentinel could be a valid target for has to be Arclight Sentinel. 
which means you can, as a, a little bit of a, a you know, political piece, you can drop that down to save somebody. Yeah. Bring somebody else in turn. Because I, I think that one of the most interesting things is being able to do things that say, like, target defending card on reinforce the line gets plus four. Yeah. Uh, you can apply that to any defending card. You can save somebody's life. So in that Kayo example, uh, where someone's throwing 32 power at you, if you've got a neighbor that happened to draw reinforce the line, they can save your life. They they can say great. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop an extra four defense on it, uh, save you a little bit of life. In return, don't attack me for a while. Yeah. <clears throat> and that Arclight Sentinel actually happened in one of the games we played where we were able to play. We had four people. It was me, you, my buddy Zach, and our friend Rel. And Rel was playing Shiana. I was on Genus. You were on Emperor, and Zach was on Phi. Me and you had a political understanding that I wouldn't attack you, you wouldn't attack me, we benefit off each other, because you have 15 life, I have silver palms, you draw, I get silver. And, um, but you were also sitting next to Zach, so Fi could easily kill you in one turn if you wanted. And which, Zach which goes almost to, happened. And Zach goes to start his attack, and Rel goes, wait, Arclight Sentinel. He's like, you gotta attack this if you're able to. Yep. And Zach just stopped his attack at that his attacks at that point. He's like, yeah, I'm not attacking into that. Right. Because we all sat down and we did that. Uh, and then Emperor, uh, because wizard abilities are not attacks, I didn't have to target it. So you just targeted Zach and got him out of there. Yep, with my, with my sweet wizardry. <laughs> but but to the- be fair, I was a little bit spiteful. At the start of that game, and I, I opened the... Because UPF still has that, that same turn zero, everybody draws up to full hand yep. size. So I, I played with Stormstriders, because the Emperor is also a wizard. And my opening hand had Voltic Bolt in red, because he only includes red cards. So I just pitched three cards, one into Stormstriders, two into Voltic Bolt, and I started off and said, fine, take five damage. <laughs> You didn't board Arcane Barrier, so I know you're taking five damage. Uh, and then the next turn, I ate all of his attacks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was totally appropriate. It was fine. I get it. <laughs> but And that, that UPF ended up being a three-way draw of a gentleman's agreement that we were all the winner. Yes. We <clears> all <throat> landed at one life. Uh, and I, technically, whoever was up next could have just won. Mm-hmm. But we agreed to uh, to just you know it was funnier to yeah. us to just say you know what we're all winners here. And Zach's the only loser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but along with UPF, we the one thing that kind of I feel like can make it unfun and like people might not want to play it is if you get targeted, you know, by the person on your left after your turn, you know, you've drawn up. Now you've wasted most of your hand defending them. person on your right can just come at you and basically kill you. Yep. Um, and so that's where this one kind of, this where I feel like UPF could kind of falter. When you're playing with your friends, though, you can make house rules to kind of help with that. Which we do have one house rule, and that is 
when it's the person to the left or right of you's end of their turn. If you do not have your maximum hand size, you draw a card. Yep. Which is great, because that takes a little bit of the edge off, a little bit of the like the pain of blocking through. And it also means you get a little extra hand filtering. Uh, so it, it gets you the ability to draw the game a little bit longer to have more fun with your friends mm -hmm. uh, while being able to block at least once uh, per, like, cycle per opponent that's attacking you rather uh without actually affecting your hand size which is i think a really cool thing that's that's why we chose this as our as our usual house rule because everybody still gets to play the game you know if you want to block with more yeah absolutely you're you're going to um you're going to follow the same rules as the normal game and not have a full turn to play but it can feel really bad having to plan for for two people just absolutely brutalizing you. Yeah. And, you know, you could also maybe do a house rule of, like, if you have less than two cards, two or less cards in your hand, you know, you can't be the target of, you know, car, like attacks or cards that do damage. You know, so that way it's you're not getting absolutely brute punished for defending against one. And it, you know, you're drawing the game out a little bit. You still have two cards to do something on your turn. And, you know, everybody's having a little bit more fun that way. But this is where we get into that, like, that kind of rough spot yeah. of doing the house rules. Because wizards exist. That's why I said cards that do damage. Right. But uh, Kano, for example, in, in that kind of house rule, it would just need a little bit of, like, word tweaking, right? Kano doesn't get anything, that's what we say. Kano gets nothing. Nope. <laughs> Put him in the trash. Because, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it, in that exact... If you were following that that rule wording to the T, Kano could, as soon as he draws up, uh, just go ahead and pitch everything he's got to play cards off the top of his deck yeah. and be untargetable. <laughs> <laughs> if you are down to two cards... That not from your own accord. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it should say if you sit down with Kato, you automatically lose. That's what it says. Right, right. <laughs> exactly right. Kato is one that shouldn't be in UPF. Don't change my mind because you can't. No. <laughs> no so Kato. I would take a, a wording like uh, if you have defended twice from hand, then. Yeah, yeah. And then that way, if Kano wants to just com like go completely out of pocket, pitch his entire hand, well, now he can't block twice from hand. Yeah. So you can just annihilate Kano as is your right. Yep. So yeah, house rules I feel are kind of like as long as they're not like dumb, stupid, op. You know, they're nest to keep the game fun are good, right. but. The there's been a couple of ones that, like, I, I did a little bit of extra um, homework ahead of this. Uh, some unassigned bonus credit. Oh, look at this. Have. Derek's getting uh, some extra credit this week. Let me pull <laughs> out the pen. That's exactly right. Give me that gold star. <laughs> I, I went around and I asked some other communities uh, what, what UPF house rules they use. Uh, and 
I only really got two unique answers. A lot of other people had some very similar stuff to to ours, where if X, draw an extra card. Okay. Um, but the the two that I got uh, was one, remove the targeting restriction. Uh, so instead of only being able to target to your left and right, you can swing at anybody. Ooh. That was a suggestion for, do you want to get a UPF game in, but have it be fast? Okay. Remove targeting restrictions. So now, yeah, you could absolutely be pummeled by all three players. But also, uh, nobody's nobody's going to be able to survive that long in a game like that. It's just going to blast down. People are going to go high aggro. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of damage race. I think the most interesting one that I saw was if you are the target of two separate heroes' uh, attacks or cards that deal damage because they accounted for wizards, you flip a card off of the item deck and put it into the battlefield. Okay, so they had a separate item deck available. Yeah. That's pretty cool. A, a little bit of like a kind of benefit to being targeted multiple times. Um, so that way, yeah, you're you're getting targeted. You are losing some momentum, but you get some extra value. And this was uh, the item deck that they had put forward was a selection of cards uh, from Everfest, from Welcome to Wrath, uh, anything with the item that was generic. You know, okay. They didn't include any mechanologist or uh, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that that way, you know, everybody might get a little something out of it. Mm, it like might that. also be garbage. Maybe you, <laughs> you flipped over Amulet of Heaven Call and you do not have Rally the Rear Guard in your deck. Oh, well. <laughs> no, yeah. Sucks to suck. Right, <laughs> right. <clears throat> uh, but I thought that was a really interesting one. Uh, that was it, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you uh, crack open some uh, potions of strength, something I normally wouldn't include in my decks. Uh, but if you're on someone that like, you know, potion of strength into eradicate, if you're running uh, an assassin, you get to to start if you, you know, comes in at four base power. You can push it to, to six or eight if you manage to have two. Uh, that's that's pretty high value. You being able to burn like nearly a quarter of somebody's deck if they don't block. Uh, pretty powerful. Yeah. Also puts some value on maybe like you build for this item deck in mind, and you include some uh, attack reactions that would only add one power. So that you can take advantage of the, I forget what it's, it's something like nimble foot feather, something along those lines. It is, if an attack action card gains exactly one power during the attack reaction phase, it gets go again. Okay. That could be really cool. <clears throat> so if you build for, like, possibly flipping that out of the item card pool, uh then, you know, you you can maybe make a little wider of a turn out of it. 
uh, I saw some variants on that in that same community uh, that was instead of being a random off the top, you make an item market. So you have that same item deck, but you have three face up. And then whenever you would flip one off the top, you instead take one of your choice from the marketplace and then replace one with the top card of the deck. Okay. Give you a little bit more control. So mm -hmm. maybe, you know, if you're running a ton of blues, maybe you don't want the, uh, uh, I believe it's Talisman of Recompense, that if you would pitch and gain exactly one resource, you instead gain three. Uh, if you're running a lot of blues, maybe you don't want that one. But Dramai would love that. Mm -hmm. So you can take that, grab it, pitch into it, perfect. And just because you're using one of these alternate rule sets doesn't mean you can't use more. Yeah. I think like the thing with UPF is it, it should be whatever community you're playing with, like their UPF. Not, you know, everybody has to have the same. It should be, you know, this community makes its UPF the way it wants it. So that way they can have the most, they feel they have the most fun during it. Right. So, you know, talking about this, I got thinking and I said, I'm going to create some heroes for UPF. And while I was doing that, I ordered 625 blank <laughs> magic cards. Because yeah. I said, me and Derek talked about it and we went, we're going to, I'm going to create this and we're going to sit down and get two other people and we're going to play these heroes. Yes. So I'm going to have a lot of fun because I created a whole new class. So I got to create class cards for it. We're going to have fun. I don't know when that one will eventually come out, but it will. But Derek, do you want to start or do you want me to start with my genus that I have created? Well, you've already said the name, so let's go ahead and start yours and then we'll yeah. go into mine. So I gave, you know, the hint of this one last week. Uh, genus, the methodical merchant, who is a shadow merchant. Right. His ability set, he's obviously, you know, four health, or yeah, four health, four intellect, 20 health. Um, once per turn as an action, it's two cost. Target player discards a random card, then gains the following. Um, if it's an attack action card, they draw a card. Uh, if it's a reaction card, their cards block for plus one until the end of the turn. And, or if it's an at regular action or an instant, the, they create a ponder token, token, create ponder tokens equal to that card's pitch. Then, then genus creates a soul contract. Go again. So he can even target himself with this. Discard a random card, get both effects. But that's not the point here. The point is you want to soul contract the, a different person. Um, I gave him a headpiece. It is the Merchant's Hood of Despair. As an instant, he can destroy Merchant's Hood of Despair. Reveal cards equal to how many soul contracts you have. Uh, add up to four cards to your hand. Then shuffle that many cards back in the deck. I forgot to put... Okay, so I see where... I, you're supposed to reveal cards off the top of your deck. Ah, uh, okay. So I was right next to the work. I'm like, wait a second. This does not sound... What it, no. So you're <laughs> yeah, supposed to reveal the cards off like, the top of I your missed. deck. <laughs> yeah. 
reveal cards off the top of your deck equal to how many soul contracts you have, um, then you're going to add up to four of them to your hand, you know, your choice of how many you want to add, and then you're going to shuffle f- however many you add back to your the bot- into your deck. You don't put them... Oh, no. Yeah, you shuffle it. So you're going to sh- you're gonna put them there, and then you're going to shuffle. They don't go to the bottom. They don't go to the top. It gets all shuffled together. So essentially, he can filter his hand a little bit. Because, you know, you, honestly, you're taking a chance here because you could reel good cards or you could reel absolute terrible cards. Right. Um, I do like that it's it's potentially more powerful than the Hope Merchant said. It uh, is. It's a one-block battle-worn. Ooh, definitely more powerful than... We a, love lot of the this, a lot of my stuff is either temporary or battle-worn because I want to see it not either use just for blocking. I want to, like, in my opinion this upf game should go a decent amount of time so you should be able to block with it and then either later use it and then that's when it gets destroyed um so that was my thought in mind is the armor should stick around and get you should be able to get both uses out of it at some point uh his chest piece in technicality he can use the carrion husk because he's shadow but um i do have another one that comes up later uh his hands he's going to keep the silver palms because he wants to create silver He's genus, um, so that comes into play. Uh, his feet, he has the Shadow Plane Walkers. Uh, a once per turn action, destroy one soul contract and one silver, gain one intellect until the end of your turn. You can only activate this if your hand size is less than your intellect. But it doesn't have go again. So it's a little worse version of the Helm of Ison's Peak. Eason's Peak. Okay. But potentially repeatable. Yes. So, like, if if you have soul contracts and you have silver, uh, and you are forced to block out for whatever yep. reason, you can still do this and drop mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, so, nice. so if you block, so if you have to block out of it and, you know, it gets to your turn, you know, you can do this, and now you're getting a five-card hand. All right. Um, the chess piece that I created was Robe of the Soul Claimer. If a player to the left or right of you just completed their turn and your hand size is less than your intellect, draw one card. If you have no cards, draw four, lose half your life. Any player can use this. Any player can use. So this isn't just him. This is taking the house rule that we had, slapping it on a piece of equipment. But if you have no hand size... You're gonna lose half your life. This is not optional. So this in oh. so this is gonna force you to try and keep one card in your hand. Right, right. Or you're gonna lose half your life. I mean, if you're at like two health, you know, block out, go down to one, get four cards, it might work out for you. So that would also mean if you have if you do block out everything as as this genus. Yes. And you're wearing you this are... robe. Boy. Sure, you get to draw five cards. <laughs> no, you'll draw four. So he... It's true, true, it's true. So at most, he might, what he can do is block with three, save maybe a blue, pitch it, use his ability, and then use the feet to crack the two, the soul contract and a silver if he has it. Because he can possibly create... Uh, no, wait. Silver, only, silver palms only works... At the start of the turn. Never mind. So, 
I was like, if they draw a card, he creates a silver note. Silver Parms is at the start of their turn. So he can do that, create the soul token, and then whatever. But yes, if you have no cards left in your hand, you're drawing four, but you're losing half your life. So that's that's set up for a very, very fast game. Possibly. Like I said, it gives people a little incentive to try and keep one in. <clears throat> because... If they keep one in, they're all going to draw... Instead of drawing four and losing half their life, they're going to go up to two because it goes to the left or right of them. It's the end of their turn. They're going to be able to draw a card, have two now, instead of a four and a half life. Right. Like I said, if you're close to late game and you have like three to two, three, two, or... Okay, so like if you have one health, you can't have it, but you can still draw four. I feel like this is also going to lean a a bunch of heroes into going, all right, so this genus dies, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might put the clause of, like, if a if this is used, destroy Robe of the Soul Claimer. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be a good thing. So that way it's not, like, you know, a, a table round of halving. <laughs> so, all right. You know, this is all just pre-draft. It'll obviously get updated if it needs to before I put it into a card. Alright, so so what were these soul contracts? Do they have an actual purpose? Or are uh, they just, like, tracking to You'll, to you'll find that out. We'll get to that. Okay. But this genus has two weapons. In his one hand... Jeez. His one hand, his main hand, he has Chains of the, Hel- Chains of the Hellhound. Which is a one-handed whip. Uh, it's one attack. Uh, once per turn, attack. Cost one. If Chains of the Hellhound hits, create a soul contract. If it doesn't hit, defending player gets a shadow shield. This card's damage cannot be prevented, and it has go again. Uh, and you may only have one Chains of the Hellhound equipped. So you can't like whip two of them at a person. Like a Kadachi. Okay. But it has something possibly the player could like if they blocked out this one. Um, but in his other hand, he has Soul Ripper, which is an offhand hook, which is five attack. But you may only attack with Soul Ripper if your soul contract count is higher than five. So it has a restriction on it, so you're not swinging one five every turn. Once per turn action, destroy five soul contracts and five silver. Attack with Soul Ripper. If Soul Ripper hits, create two tormented soul tokens. And if, and the, the same clause, damage from Soul Ripper can't be prevent, prevented. There are so many different tokens in oh, here. I went hard on this. I went hard on this. But this is so much to track. Mine <laughs> is was... so simple in comparison. <laughs> Where do you see Cap Dane that I made up? Um, Jesus. But so that's part of so you know so that kind of little answers your question there. The soul contracts do go into something a little bit. Okay, the but like on so, their own, they don't have a technical purpose. They just feed into these. We're not there things. yet. We're not there oh, yet. God. <laughs> Alright, um, 
So we'll go. I'm gonna get into his specializations, and then we'll get into the tokens. Because okay. That was so. We got his weapons. We got his armor. We're getting ready for battle. He has three specializations. Two of them are legendary because if you have more than one of each of these in the deck, I think it's too busted. Uh, first one is called Contracts Up. It is a merchant instant legendary genus specialization. So the regular genus could actually play this one. If you control six or more silver, uh, I went. So this one, I'll. First thing that popped in my head was me and my wife watching Adventure Time together, and there's an episode in there where everybody's gold is getting stolen by this thing called the Gut Grinder, and they all think it's Jake because he kind of looks like it. So, uh, create a Jake the Gut Grinder token. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't worry, there's one more token coming. Technically, it's an ally. There's another. There's, they're tech, these, the next two are technically allies, not tokens. Tokens Recy are still allies, technically. Yeah. So, and then it has something called Recycle on it. If Contracts Up is in your graveyard, you may destroy three gold, return it to your deck, then shuffle your deck and draw a card. Okay. So... When I played Yu-Gi-Oh! and I played True Draco, we had a card called, um, oh, I actually can't remember. It's a True Draco card. Basically, it says target three True Draco cards in your graveyard, shuffle them back into your deck, draw a card. It was insanely good. So that's where this came from. His next specialization is also a legendary. This one is a Shadow Instant. Um, I forgot. Contracts up is a zero cost three resource, so it's a blue zero cost. This one is a blue three, three resource one cost. Shadow inch, instant legendary genus specialization, so only this one can use it. If you have six or more soul contracts, destroy them. Create an alpha man's best friend ally. You can play Sikkim boys from your banish zone. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I assume Sikkim Boys is the other token. Yes. Alpha Man's Best Friend Ally is what it's going to be. All right. Then, his last specialization doesn't have it. Don't worry. Yes. This one is a normal one. All right. It's called I'm the Merchant Now, and this one can be used by regular Genus as well. Um, it's a Merchant Attack, Genus Specialization, 6 cost, 6 attack, and it's a three resource. You may pay six copper, three silver, or two gold instead of paying this card's cost. Gain plus one, two, or three attack if you do. So if you do six copper, it gains plus one. If you do six sil three silver, it's plus two. If you do two gold, it's plus three. Uh, if it hits a hero, it gains go again and destroy items slash auras up to the damage dealt in play. So it doesn't have to be from the hero that you hit. It has to be in play. So you've got a lot going on in this one. Yes. Uh, you got a little excited here. I did. <laughs> I would probably make that a legendary <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, no, I don't uh, think it would necessarily be a bad thing to have this that, that recycle idea on all of those. That's uh, that's what I was thinking I was going for, but I forgot to put on them. Sikkim Boy doesn't need Recycle, though, because 
I'm like, okay, you can play this one out of your banished. It goes into your graveyard. Then you have to somehow get it back into your banished zone. And most of the shadow stuff that banishes is a um, shadow brute. So Right, right. But now we're getting to the tokens, the fun part, right? Okay. So the soul contract, you asked about this. The first attack that hits the hero a soul contract was created on this turn gains go again. Does this spend the, the token? No. It's just, that's what it says. But it, so like, you have to create the soul contract on that hero. It has to be created that turn. After that, it just basically sits there for the other stuff. Got it. So like, you can't have a soul contract attack a person and then be like, oh, I get go again. No, it has mm-hmm. to be that was the person a soul contract was created on. And it had to be created that turn. Um, then you so may play one card. Probably better to, to shift over to uh, part of the hero ability. Like the go again side of it. Probably so will. So that way you could say like the, the next time you attack that hero, the, the first attack gets go again. Yeah, no, yeah, but it has to hit. That's the thing. It has to hit. Right, right. Um, it says then you may play one card out of your banner zone. Simple. Okay. Jake the Gut Grinder is a banker ally. Once per turn, destroy six copper or three silver, create a gold token. So he's just basically there to cycle through your silver and or copper and make them into gold. And is that an, an instant? Is that a, it's a, just a, it's an action. A... So that's, it doesn't have go again. Okay. Cause that'd be too broken. Create a gold, then do something else. No, uh, he has zero attack, so he can't attack. He has six health, so he can be destroyed. Okay. But it does take <clears> a, a pretty meaty hit. To take care of him. Yes. Uh, so we, then we have Alpha, man's best friend. It is a demon hellhound ally with six attack and seven health. Alpha may only attack a hero who's had a soul contract created on this turn. Once per turn action, you may swing chains of the hellhound an additional time this turn. If one or both are blocked, Alpha attacks directly after the block chains. So you can attack twice with it. <clears throat> And if they block both, he then he will attack. This is like a non-situate, like you not may. It's he's going right into that chain after this chains of the hellhound. Interesting. But you don't have to swing it on the same person. Uh, and then we have the tormented soul. I just realized I forgot what the shadow shield did. Basically, the sh- I never wrote that one down. You made too many tokens. <laughs> the Shadow Shield, all it said was um, the first time you would be dealt damage, prevent one. Okay. What I was thinking about doing was like whatever your defense minus the chain attack was, that's how much it would prevent. I feel like that, you know, you block with a freaking six. Next thing you know, it's going to pop and prevent five. So... I was just like, you know, prevent one. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It would be it would be fun and give some incentive to do some defense reactions yeah. against it. Maybe. But basically it was gonna be, be it was easily punished. 
So it's, yeah. If, if the next person to attack them just throws a Kadachi. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking, just do one. You know, no matter what happens, it's going to prevent it. And it gives them a little incentive to block out this chain. Um, the Tormented Soul, once per turn, attack reaction. If enemy has had a soul contract made and it hit... Oh my dear lord. Oh, this is why I shouldn't write these when I'm tired at work. Once per turn, attack reaction. If enemy has had a soul contract made on them and is hit with an attack, opt three of the opponents off the opponent's deck, then banish the top card. Create a top copper token. Okay. So, and that's going to consume the tormented soul. All right. And that's only created if a soul ripper hits. And the hit, so it's literally going to sit around for a turn. They're going to know it's there. And then he can choose to go, okay, this. But a soul ripper hit I, isn't going like to happen as often. All it's for. I feel like if that's all it's for. It would probably be a, a better idea to clean up everything by just moving that trigger onto the Soul Ripper. It's already uh, hard enough to throw the Soul Ripper. Uh, since you need the, what was it, five silver, five soul contracts? Yep. Uh, to throw a five power attack. To then have to do another thing in order to uh, do this effect seems seems not as worth it uh, yeah but he can choose when to that's the thing like he can choose when to do it so let's say they blocked and pitched with an eye of aphidia and kept a card on the top he can go okay crack this banishing the top card yeah you're not gonna see a bunch of eye of aphidias or, or all that much opting um, probably the most likely place you'll see it is uh, fate for scenes and we don't know yet what else I'm... So, you don't know what else I'm creating for the other two people either. They might get their own legendary gems. I, I'm sorry, you, you made two others? Uh, we have one, and then the other one's still in my head. So, so and I already know, I already know who this is going to be. So, uh, this, this is going to be four of us sitting down to play this with completely customized heroes and decks. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a hot nightmare, is what I'm hearing. So, the whole idea of Roundless Genus was, I'm a fan of Supernatural. I'm thinking he's like a uh, crossroads demon, where he's going to make deals to get your soul. He's like, Because he can be like, alright, you let this soul ripper hit, it's going to create a soul contract, but I might not attack you. So. I feel like that's. I mean, I guess it kind of leans in. That's a. It's, it's a bit of a like disingenuous deal, right? Because you are mm -hmm. incentivized to attack them that turn to get the go again. Yeah. So. You know, you're gonna attack them. It'll be like, all right, don't block this out. I'll get a soul contract, but on my go again, I will not attack you. Okay. I think I'm going to put the recycle on the Sikkim boys, so that yeah. way you can't just have two of the demon dogs sitting out. Instead of doing a, you may play this from your banner zone. I'll probably do, I'll probably put the recycle on them. 
Right. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> do you want to do yours, or you want to hear the short cavdane that I have here, sitting? I think we should go with yours, and then finish sure. it up with cavdane. Okay. Uh, so I went ahead because I, I knew in advance you were doing a shadow hero. Yep. Uh, so I figured I'd go ahead and do a light one. Uh, so I designed, uh, and like I said, this is far simpler. <laughs> uh, both in the fact that I, I only made one token uh, and uh, well the it's mostly in the design philosophy that I'm going to go through so this is Seraph, Solana's Wrath uh, it is a 20 life 4 intelligence light brood ooh uh, so the idea is uh Solana got pretty angry about all these uh, shadow creatures coming out and said, tell you what, I'm giving you an angel. Let's go. Uh, and because Solana's angry, this is a brute and not a warrior, like most of the other Solana stuff out there. Mm -hmm. um, so the hero ability itself, uh, it's got two. Once per turn action, banish a card from your soul, intimidate. And then, Ooh. if that opponent has no cards in hand, your next light or brute attack gets plus one power. Uh, so a little bit of incentive, uh, kind of same thing to keep one one card in hand. You know, even if you if you think it's going to happen. Um, now I'm I'm up in the air. I, I should probably give that go again. At the moment, it doesn't because I really really like scab skins. I don't want to force people <laughs> to use the chaos. Um, and then once per turn instant banish an attack action card from your soul prevent the next X damage from target source where X is half the attack's base power Okay. Uh, since these were being designed for ultimate pit fighter I wanted something a little bit like friendly in, mm -hmm. in Solana you know, give, um, give um. that like grace shining light so if, you're, if your buddy is going to be killed, but you've got to swing big in your in your banish zone uh, or in your souls. You can banish that as a reaction or as an instant, rather, uh, and prevent the four damage that 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 source would deal. So you can you can cut some deals with that, and you've got that stocked. Yeah. Uh, now this isn't the best thing necessarily to do as this hero because uh, one of the things that I wanted to do because like pretty much all the other uh, light heroes that we have I say like we have more than two uh, they they want to put stuff in their soul and then mm -hmm. they're incentivized to spend it pretty quickly uh, with uh, prism making those spectral shields with Bolton giving attacks go again you know they they're, make, they're putting stuff in soul and they're banishing it uh, for a pretty high value. So the weapon that I've designed is the Pillar of Might. I'm, I'm picturing, since this is angry, this, this angel's just rolling up with a full-on pillar <laughs> from a building. Just rips off a pillar from a Roman, from a Roman building and just swings it at someone. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> Forget smash with Big Tree, we got smashed <laughs> with Giant Pillar! Yeah. <laughs> so, 
this is a once per turn action. Uh, it costs three to use this. Um, and its base power is one. However, it has uh, Pillar of Might gets plus X, where X is the number of light cards in your soul. Oh dear lord. So theoretically, uh, you, you've got a couple of build options with this. Uh, you can put a bunch of light stuff in your soul, uh, and I left it like that with just light, because you're probably going to run some regular brute cards too, considering I'm not going to make a ton of light brute cards. <laughs> uh, so you can spend the uh, untalented, the non-light cards, for that once per turn instant to help prevent damage. Uh, whereas those light cards, you're incentivized to keep in your soul so that this Pillar of Might starts building this unstoppable force. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still just imagining Rip and Angel just walking by this building, ripping this pillar off, and just yeeting it to someone. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I've only put in one specialization at this point. It is a non-attack non -attack action. Uh, it costs three. Uh, it's in yellow, because uh, I figure that's on brand with the light stuff. Uh, it's called Solana's Intervention. As an additional cost, draw three cards, then charge three random cards from hand. Okay. Uh, for each light card charged this way, invoke an ally named Hand of Solana. Uh, they have once per turn action for two resources. It's a two power attack with go again. Uh, and they have three life. Okay. Uh, for each attack action card with six or more power charged this way, your next attack this turn gains plus one power. Okay. So if you hit three light brute cards, uh, you get three of these Hand of Solana, and your next gets plus three. Oh dear lord. Seems pretty solid. But yes, as solid as that frickin' pillar. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> if you... If you manage to hit three light brute cards with six or more power, you get three of this ally, and your pillar gets three extra light cards in your soul, and plus three okay. from this. Now this, I, was, I am positive that I do not want to have go again. Uh, I, I, I want them to have to set up this, this ability. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, this could basically read, for three, your pillar will swing for seven <laughs> at the start of the game. <clears throat> uh, and that's, that's a bit much. Uh, so part of the design philosophy that I had in mind for this is one of the things, I, I was chatting with some people about, like, Bolton and what would help, like, take some of the pain of charging away from mm -hmm. it. Uh, and one of the things that was like a, a pretty good, decent consensus uh, that, that people started talking about after Spirit of Arena came out, stuff with effects that benefit um, from being charged. So like, if this card is charged, then blank. Yes. Um, so... I was hoping to have some stuff that's draw and charge a random card instead of the normal brute draw and discard. Okay. Uh, and have 
some of the stuff key off like if a if a card with six or more power is charged this way then x uh, but also have some of these cards have um, if this card is charged then x uh, okay. so that might be like if if this card is charged intimidate if this charges card this <laughs> if this card is charged uh, you know get plus two to your next attack uh, something to give a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra heat what about if you had like a card that's you know let's say we'll just say for example this place they play wild ride and pulping or like the card says if this card is discarded put it into your soul see that that could be pretty solid because in my opinion wild ride and pulping are just insane brute cards yeah oh yeah they absolutely are so instead of it being, you know, so if it gets disc, like, you could have a card that says, you know, if this card has been discarded from a brood effect, put it into your soul. Kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad route. I'm still um, on the freaking pillar thing. <laughs> like, when I was first coming up with this, I, I was stuck on, like, this this concept of what would a, a light brute use and and very briefly i was on like a, a sort of sorted board style mm-hmm. um but then i got this image of this this angel is too angry to like use a traditional weapon uh and the like the more holy power they get then the the better they can actually use this gigantic column i feel like this picked up this UPF's gonna go from a, a full one v one v one v one to a two v two with the two light people facing off against the two shadow people. <laughs> it could be because now I'm like I have a good idea for what I could make the third person. I already had an idea of who I wanted to base it off of, but now I got a really good idea after what you just told me. And I. I also went into the the standard uh, for those that have paid a, a little bit of attention to the the names in general. Uh, LSS, as as much as we love them, has not been creative with just about any name that they have put together. Um, so I I figured I'd follow suit, and that's why I <laughs> named it Seraph. If it's an angel, why why not just have it be named itself? because <laughs> like all of them uh with with a couple of exceptions uh have very very on the nose names yeah uh i i think probably the the least on the nose are some of the earlier ones uh, with dorinthia katsu reinar and even Reinar is is a little bit on the nose, um, but like Bravo, he's a guy with bravado. Yeah, I, I think like, Cav Dane's pretty special too, though. That's different. Yeah, that's, that's out that's there. That's one of the more unique ones. But like, you know, we've got Oldham. What is he? He's an old guy. <laughs> yeah. I once told my buddy, I was like, yeah, I'm rebuilding old him, and he just like, old him is old news, and I just started laughing. 
but like even it took me a, a little bit to see this one but genus is incredibly close to generous and oh I think yeah that's all that name is yeah oh wow even some of the ones that uh that seem like like shiana sounds sounds kind of uh like unique yeah but she is like a a diamond gemini is her her name so she is a shimmering shapeshifter from solana say that five times fast smashing (laughs) i will not (laughs) i stuttered over saying card and charge too close to each other (laughs) uh so that's about the the design philosophy i had in mind for for this one hey you Uh, went all original though i'm just pulling people from i'm just retraining people so you're doing a lot better than i am the the concept was originally going to be uh hall of goldenheim uh dorinthia's trainer uh, uh, until I remembered, right, she didn't die. So <laughs> she got really wounded uh, fighting brutes, but she survived. So I had an idea. So my idea for the next is a light... Mm, I'm thinking, I want to say light mecha, mechanologist, but I don't know if I'm going to keep that. So my idea is like Dash, but after you get so much into your soul, she transforms into like a mech version of Data Doll. Like she mecked out Data Doll into like this armor suit that is better than the mech suit, but now it's the hero. So it's like a transforming hero, kind of like how we have like the Jace that transforms into a planeswalker magic kind of thing. Okay. That could be interesting. But. <laughs> So it's like so like I said, you have the lights facing off against the shadow. Or maybe it's like her specialization is like that's how she trans anyway. That's 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 a talk for another day, because I haven't even figured that out yet. <laughs> but I, I do think that that's I, I really like that uh I, I really like the polarization of the difference between shadow and light cards. Mm-hmm. Because uh, shadow cards, you want to use them, but you don't want to stockpile them and your banish the same way as because uh, they tend to have blood debt. Yeah, that light wants to stockpile into soul and spend them for benefit, and there's not technically a drawback besides thinning out your deck faster than other heroes. Mm-hmm. Oh. You ready for Cavdane? Are you kind of scared after hearing Genus? Oh, I'm terrified. I, I'm expecting <laughs> another eight tokens. No, this one, right now, I think this one only has one. Okay. So we have Cavdane, Keeper of the Damned. Um, he is a Shadow Necromancer with four intellect and 20 health. So the man went from skinning people to raising them back from the dead. I feel like so, that's pretty fitting. Yeah. Uh, once per turn action, it's cost to banish a card from your graveyard. Choose one. Uh, you can create a wandering so... Okay, sir, I think there's th- maybe two or three tokens I lied. Create a wand... <laughs> but it's not like... 
it's this one or this one or this one. It's like I, it keeps tra- like the wandering, wandering, not wandering, wandering soul transforms up into it. Um, you can create that. You can charge your weapon with the top card of your deck, or the next necromancer card you play gains go again. Um, allies you control have go again if you charged your weapon this turn. So I kind of went off with like how Dromai has the if you played a red card this turn, your allies have go again. If you charge your weapon, your allies have go again. Okay, that's that's pretty good. Not giving them base go again mm-hmm. as a you know an inherent way to to keep them tied down and help stop them from that late game inevitability that Dromai has. Yep. And like if you're start so like the late game. You know, Dromai still has a deck. All she has to do is play one red card. Cavdane goes, all right, I got to take the top card of my deck and charge it into my weapon to be able to give these things go again. So he's going to pot. So he has to worry about thinning his deck out too much. Um, right. So his armor, we have the head, which is Crown of the Vanquisher. It is a two battle worn uh, action cost one. Create a wandering soul token. Uh, you can only activate this if you've charged your weapon this turn uh, and it has go again. When you block with Crown of the Vanquisher, transform a wandering soul into a corrupted soul. Like I said, I want these. So this one has the stigma that he had. So he has to charge his weapon. So if he charges his weapon, his allies get go again, but he can be able to create a wandering soul. The wandering souls basically are just like, I be- if I remember, we'll get to them, but I'm pretty sure I just made them basically essentially the same thing as Ash. They're just like the basis for the allies. Okay. Your, um, your material component. Yeah. He has a s- chest piece of the soul reviving robe. It has no block, so this one doesn't block. Um, action cost to banish top three cards of your deck face down. Your opponent randomly chooses one to go to your soul, one to charge your weapon, and one to stay banished, go again. So this is a this is a shadow hero that's using a soul as well. Yes, I have to fit. I still got to figure out what I'm going to do with this soul, but I kind of have an idea for it. But he's kind of like a mech mechol, mechanologist where he can thin out his deck really quick, which might not be good. Um. His arms, so we have Grasp of the Ark Knight, so I was like, we're going to have the Grasp of the Undead here with one blade. This one has Blade Break on it. Totally separate from Ghostly Touch. Yes. Which could be <laughs> some sort of undead grasping, but... Yeah. At the start of your turn, transform target soul into Hellbound Spawn. If a corrupted soul is used, Hellbound Spawn gains reanimate. And what is reanimate? I did not write it down because this he's this cavdane is uncompleted. But basically, the way I was going to go with it is, um, did I? I don't even think I did the souls yet. So I haven't even <laughs> like written up the tokens for this. This is okay, still a work so in progress. Like, basically, like what super vague. My idea was a hellbound spawn. Um, would be a two-two. If it gets reanimated, it comes back. As a 1-1 one, one kind of thing. Okay. So basically it just comes back a little less. Or, you know, it comes back once, basically. 
Or it might be like if it gets reanimated, if it attacks, it dies kind of thing. Something where if it comes back, it's not as bad as it was before. Maybe I think I might just make them all one ones. Um, and the feet we have the grave gravebound wraps with two temper. If a card is drawn during the action phase, create a wandering soul token. Action cost two. Play target card from grave for its cost plus one. Return it to the bottom of the deck at the end of the chain. So he's going to thin out his deck, but he does have a way to kind of put it back in a little bit. Okay. But it's going to cost him an extra resource to be able to play it. Right. Um, he, he has a Staff of the Unbound as his one weapon. It's a one-handed weapon. Uh, while Staff of the Unbound is charged, your allies have once per turn attack. So the Staff has to be charged for his allies to be able to attack, too. Because I get tired of the dragons just having a base attack that where I can get poked down by one, even if you know they don't have a red card to play. So he wants to charge his weapon. Basically, it's a the his like whole thing is around charging his staff. Okay. Um. Once per turn action attack. Um. It does not cost anything, but if you attack with this turn with the staff. Remove a charge from the staff. Uh, create a wandering soul token. Okay. And he has, it has a once per turn action that's not an attack. Cost one charge staff of the unbound from a random card in your banished zone. Neither of them have go again, so that would be his only thing that turn. So he has to kind of set up for if he wants to use it or not. Got it. Uh, this is a good way to like peel some stuff out of your blood debt. Yep. Um... But it's random. I was going in my head. I was like, "All right, well, why we're banishing random cards from grave? What if we're charging with a random card from your banished zone?" Um, in his offhand, he has knife of the skin trader that has one attack. Once per turn, attack costs two. If knife of the skin trader hits, charge it with the top card of your deck. This weapon gains plus two while charged. If this weapon was charged and attacks, remove a charge. Create a wandering soul token. So basically, if they attack with if you, uh, okay. So the staff doesn't attack. I lied. I, see, I can't read my own stuff. If he you attack in general, you remove a uh, charge from the staff. So Got it. if he dinks someone, so if it doesn't even hit, but he tries to dink with his little knife, <clears throat> he has to remove one from the staff. If his knife attacks and it's charged, he's removing one from both. So, because I tried to make it where he just can't just keep adding, adding, adding. He has to think about his plays each turn. Okay. Um, he is. I have two. Uh, two specializations. Uh, one's a legendary. It's a shadow instant. Um, three pitch, zero cost. Called Soul Sacrifice. If you have five wandering soul tokens, transform them into a gilded soul. So you're taking all five and transforming them into this one Gilded Soul. Then transform the Gilded Soul into a Fallen Royalty Reborn ally. If you play it during your opponent's turn, you draw a card. If played during your turn, it gains go again. My idea behind this was I hate how Doomsday doesn't replenish itself. Right. Like if I go on their turn and go, okay, Doomsday, I don't have a, well, that's, I'm still coming back with three. 
Um, <clears throat> so you're going to take five of these tokens, transform them into a gilded soul, which then you're going to transform into a, that into a royal reborn ally, which is basically going to, my idea behind that was the emperor reborn. He's coming back with a vengeance. Um, raise the fallen and his other one. It's a shadow action, zero cost, one pitch. So it's a red create three hellbound spawn allies, then put three soul tokens underneath. Go again. If a corrupted soul is used, charge your weapon. Got it. So he's going to have kind of like Dromai has ash wings and different dragons. He's going to have different kind of like reanimated things. Sound, sounds so far like some of these attacks are going to have to uh, pull things out of Grave and out of Banish. Yep. Otherwise, uh, I, I think this Cavdane is just going to tear its own deck in half in three rounds and then, <laughs> and then lose to Fatigue. Well, like I said, I gotta re... I have to design this whole class set of cards for Necromancer. Right. So... My idea, my thinking around this is he's not going to have a whole lot of attacks in his deck, but he's going to have cards in there that replen either replenish stuff from the Banished or Grave, or to like keep him from where he's decking out by turn three. Because the Necromancer is all about reanimating stuff and like bringing it back, so right, he might not attack for much each turn, but he's not going to get fatigued easily, or as easy as what one might suspect. Okay, I which can is, get down with that. Which is why if we when we do this, I will probably be the one playing him because I feel like I'm going to design him so hard that someone who's never seen the deck before is just going to be like, what the frick do I do? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's going to be a... I feel like that's going to be a fair amount of these. I, I think the Light Brute, part of why I put it together is it's it'll be easy enough to hand off and you know it does what it says on the tin. Bonk's good. <laughs> um, oh, are you or are you gonna want to play the light brute? No, no, no. I, I was thinking I would just toss up to to whoever we tag in uh, okay. for our other two. Let them choose first. Or do you uh, want to take your hand and try the dif difficult cavdane? We'll find out. It, it depends on what what this all looks like. Yeah, we'll see. <clears throat> yep. Honestly, I feel like it's gonna be fun though. Because it's not going to go quick, and it's going to be everybody setting up for, like, one big turn, and then, you know, little things here and there of playing politics. Yeah. Well, until it's it's going to be a very bizarre time. Until you get a freaking uh, pillar thrown at your face. Yes. Because that's kind of the goal. It, like, <laughs> eventually, then the, the Seraph's just going to be going, all right, pillar for ten? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna throw the wild card and swap out my deck with Leviathan and just hit it with Soul Harvest. There you go. <laughs> Banish all cards from the soul, take that much damage. That would just end this bad boy, which I feel like is nice and on theme. Yeah. You know? Which I didn't even know till this week because I'm a former Yu-Gi-Oh player, so I don't read my cards. That Soul Harvest isn't random. You get to choose the six you banish. Yeah. So I've been letting my opponent choose randomly the six that I banish for this. And I'm like, oh, it gains a couple attack. No, I could have went in there and been like, yep, this thing gains six attack. It's uh, 12 attack coming in. Good luck. Right. 
I, I didn't register that that's what you were doing. Because, like, I, any of the times we played together, I hadn't actually been on the receiving end of a soul harvest. Yeah, soul harvest is, like, honestly not as easy as you would think to throw out. I think it's played... Yeah, definitely not. It's played more either as, like, a game ender, or it's because it's a blue block three. Right. That That's kind of why it ends up in just about any Lelia deck uh, baseline, because it's a blue block three with six base power. So mm -hmm. it meets all the requirements that you need for a good card uh, to be in your blue slot. And then with such a high ceiling as a, a 12 power attack uh, that can hurt Prism and Bolton real good. Uh, sounds pretty good. Oh, I would say probably we won't have time to... Oh yeah. yeah my nephew just walked in the door. Give me a second. Well, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get to the Heart tournament today because UPF and Genus took up most of our time. <laughs> yeah, we're a bit too excitable. It's fine. This Heart can always be postponed to another day, or it could be one of the ones that we put in on one of the pre-recorded ones because the Heart tournament can be talked about at any time. Um um, one thing I do want to put in at the end here is this past week at Armory, I forgot to mention, um, uh, we had a, I, I believe he would be a returning player, I didn't catch his name, but he looked at me and he goes, you're Brandon, and I was like, yeah, and he goes, uh, he told me that Steelblade Showtime was part of the reason he had started coming back to Armories again, and that just made me feel wholesome for the whole night. Um, he said he listened to us and heard us talk about how good our community is, and that made him want to come back out and start playing again. And that that just made me so happy that you know we're able to change one person's outlook on this game. Yeah. And... So so shout out to whoever you are. We love you. Glad to have you back. <laughs> I guess unfortunately I didn't get your name. Um, I apologize. Um, you know who you are if you are still listening to us. Um, thank you for the kind words. I know I was just kind of awkward there when you said that because I'm socially awkward. Uh, and, you know, if uh, along the lines of he also didn't want to seem like a creep, you know, just, you know, blurting it out. And, I was, you know, if you see either one of us and just want to tell us something, you know, about liking this show or something, just go ahead. I'm not going to think you're a creep. Um, yeah. It's means more to me that you listened and you enjoy it. Um, and just being able to hear that will make my night. So we really appreciate it. Uh, oh, next. Man, I realized we forgot to, to post a selfie ahead of the pro quest. Yeah. I, I, like when I got home, I was like, we didn't do the selfie. <laughs> Um, next week we got Chad coming on. We're going to talk the Emperor and Reinar. Uh, we had some good discussions with him yesterday at the ProQuest. Um, we plan on doing an Airbnb for the Pro Tour in Baltimore, and he's going to be one alone along with us. Um, I think I'm pretty set on the idea of doing a live show that Sunday before we head to the Pro Tour in Baltimore. I think uh, that's going to be great. I think that'll be fun. Um, so we got that upcoming next week. 
Um, if you have any questions for him, let me know. I'll add him to the outline so that way he knows about them. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, you know, we, follow, we have our Twitter set up still. It's Steel Blade Show T. Um, YouTube's still in the works. It's not moving because I don't really get... Uh, I get time at work to be able to write stuff down, but at home I'm always just sleeping. So I don't have a whole lot of time to work on that right now. So that'll probably come later. Obviously, because we want to do this UPF thing eventually, um, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcast, a Podcast Connect, I believe is what Anchor said, is all what it's on. You know, go follow us on them, you know, give us ratings. We appreciate them. I didn't get to any of the Reddit UPF heroes that we had submitted, um, but I didn't think, G- <laughs> well, I went a little too crazy on Genus. Uh, <laughs> Derek, do you have bit. anything? It's fine. Yeah. You got uh, anything? No, I think that's about it. Uh, as as always, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. It's always great to see everybody out and about. Uh, we'll we'll catch you around. Y'all have a good week.